Everyone, I'm Brittany, the content and research producer. And I'm Ellie, the media and content producer at Magnify. And welcome to the Magnify podcast, where we co-host aspirational conversations to help you thrive and work through faith. This podcast is a place where we explore all the topics and questions which we all grapple with in our careers and faith. From imposter syndrome, identity, perfectionism, acting in courage, boundaries, really the list could go on. We dig in and get frank about all things work using faith as a backdrop. And through these conversations with dynamic individuals, we hope you'll leave informed, intrigued, and inspired in your faith and work life. We all have big ideas which we want to execute to the best of our abilities. And in order to do this, there are days that can feel the same day in and day out. Um, And on those days, motivation can feel hard to come by. Uh, And that's when mental discipline can kind of come in as a practice. Um, But I don't know about you, Ellie. That one's kind of tough for me. Yeah, definitely. Um, We've spoken about it before, but there have been many ideas where the mental discipline have helped it be put to rest. Um, I've always got the motivation and the adrenaline to get it going and to start up. But actually that discipline to get up on the days when I really don't want to, I'm really working on that at the moment. What about you? The same. I think consistency is like such a hard one to, to keep up with. Um, And so our question is really, how can we develop our own mental discipline to carry us through when motivation can't? So to find this out, we had a chat with the lovely Abigail Irosaru, an English track and field athlete who specializes in long jump. And after retiring due to an injury and then coming back to the sport, as well as not being picked for the home Olympic games after working and training really, really hard, Abigail shares how mental discipline has been so important in getting back up in her own career and also how she's cultivated it in times which have been hard. Yeah. And not only did she give us some great advice on the topic that we all might find ourselves struggling with, um, we were so inspired by how real and vulnerable she got. And it's an incredible conversation. So let's listen in. so great to have you on we've been really excited to chat to you we were just talking before as well about being an athlete and neither of us have ever done any sports properly so we're super excited to (laughs) enter the world of yours and figure out more about it so welcome we were just speaking about the series that we've been watching at the moment um so what is a series that you've been binge watching at the moment i binge watched um, the queen's gambit recently have you seen it oh yeah i have it but i've heard about it yeah yeah, it sounds so boring. It's about um, a lady who plays chess, and mm-hmm. she's like a chess prodigy from the age of like nine years old. But it's actually really interesting and engaging. I was hooked. I watched it over two nights, so that's saying Oh, something. wow. Yeah, that is. <laughs> a lot of, I've heard a lot of people talking about it, and I'm like, oh, this must be pretty good. What about you, Brittany? Living Single is on Hulu, and I've been watching a lot of those. It's like... Um, a show with like Queen Latifah from the 90s and it's so good. And what have you been watching, Ellie? Well, I was just saying to Brittany, anything reality TV, I don't know about you, Abigail, but I'm a sucker for it. So <laughs> below deck. I also have been watching The Crown, actually. I don't know if either of you have watched The Crown. I love both. Yeah. <laughs> so I love historical drama. So yeah. The Crown, it's just, it's been so good because I've been, it's made me kind of Google a little bit more about British British history. I'm glad that we agree on the crown. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so next we're going to do a couple quick fire questions. If you had a dinner party and could invite three guests from any era, who would you invite and why? This is a really hard question. I would say (laughs) that I would love to meet my grandmother on my mum's side Mm. because I've heard so much about her. And also my granddad, can they just be grouped into one? 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. from Nigeria, and it would just be great to hear the like their full experience living in the village. And no, not my grandma, my great grandma. Then that's what I. That's who I thought. I would love to meet the Queen. So you know, I'm a fan <laughs> of British history, history in general, and yeah. I've never met her. So I guess she's of this era, but also just the whole story: her, her dad dying young, her grandfather. Yeah. All of that and just being thrust into power at such a young age is just incredible and how she handled it. And I guess my third and final guess would be a tech giant, someone like um, Bill Gates or um, Steve Jobs, just to kind of yeah. get into the mind and to meet them. Because obviously we hear all these stories about them and their leadership and, and their attitude, especially Steve Jobs. <laughs> I would just love to see it in person yeah. in real life. That's like a nice okay. variety there. I, feel I was like about to be say, fun, yeah. yeah. It'd be a lot of stories going on that night. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's what I, I love storytelling, you know? So. Yeah. See, that's exciting. We would love to, we would love to be invited. <laughs> <laughs> the next one is, um, what's a surprising fact about you? I always use the fact that I could fly before I could drive because I was part oh, of the air training course when oh. I was younger, which is like the mini area. So I got to fly planes and things like that when I was like 16. So that's that's incredible. That is amazing. Usually, yeah, usually people are like, my favorite color is blue. And you're just right. like, I could fly before like I could drive. like I'm a pilot. Yeah. That is incredible. And then um, what's your favorite childhood memory? Oh, wow. Um, I think I love Christmas. I yeah. love um, us coming together as a family. It's always chaotic. Um, we make it obviously we make we have a full day of it like most people do but we don't um, open Christmas open presents until the end of the day till about five o'clock my family are the same other girl we don't open presents until like 6 p.m in the evening um, which is like I love it I don't know what I feel like it just like, <laughs> saves the magic yeah <laughs> I've never met another family that's been like that does that so that's really, really cool I'm so glad yeah. to hear that yeah. yeah we always have like one in the morning as like a taster to like calm everyone down because otherwise we're all just like waiting <laughs> around till 6 p.m <laughs> but then at 6 p.m we all come together it just makes it nicer I don't know what it is yeah. about it but it just yeah kind of... it like extends the fun of the day yeah, yeah exactly yeah. yeah so kind of on that thread growing up what was your childhood like and what would you say are the values that shape you now my childhood was fun it was very relaxed um and I say relaxed even though I would be I'm pretty much I was a straight A student I would work quite hard you know in school and academics and my calendar was absolutely hectic in terms of extracurricular activities so like Monday to Saturday there was always something going on uh gymnastics dance whatever new activity that my mum could throw me into I was involved in (laughs) um but Sunday I guess was um a key part of like growing up because that was a day of family and it was a day where I was was spent obviously um, church in the morning so I guess those are values that I still carry to this day so I'm really committed to my church also family and we make sure we made sure that we um, stay together and support each other through the good times and the bad times so yeah. That's yeah. so nice that's so nice that's beautiful so how did you get into being an athlete and especially long jump yeah, again, that's um, a similar theme in terms of my mum throwing me into every single activity. Participated in an athletics event when I was about 14 years old. And in that, I did the the 100 metres, the 200 metres, the long jump and the relay, and I won them all. And it was at the long oh jump pit goodness. that my old coach, obviously I didn't know at the time, 
he came up to me and he was like, you're pretty good at this. Why don't you come and train with me at Sport City, which is based in Manchester? So that was really handy. And that was how I got into the sport, particularly long jump. And I started at Sale Harriers Manchester, and that's still my club to this day. But at the time, we had some of the fastest young ladies in the UK. So it was really difficult for me to be able to be part of the team on the sprint side of things. So I just did what I was naturally good at, and I guess that's why I'm still doing it to this day. <laughs> Amazing. That is incredible. I was going to say, going off of that a bit, like I think one of the conversations we have a lot is like uh, progress over perfection. <laughs> Because sometimes it can be, sometimes you have, you know, your vision of how you want it to be. I know I can definitely be like that. Like, I want it to be a certain way, and I'm going after that all the way. Um, but that isn't always, that doesn't always work out exactly the way that you want it. And so, um, you know, obviously that can be easy to, like, to choose, um, you know, to celebrate the progress. And just curious, like, how you've um, kind of put that into practice in your life. I think that is such a key theme. And it's something that, first of all, I have to write down in front of me on my diaries, yeah. uh, particularly on my training diaries, maybe when I've had a hard week or when I'm not making the progress that I want to make or I'm not hitting the objective mark so in terms of distances or whatever I'm lifting in the gym um, that I had expected. I have to think, right, it's not about being perfect. It is about progress. And I write that all the time. Sometimes it's Low yeah. progress is better than no progress because sometimes yeah. we think we're making progress but it's not enough but we actually yeah. have to be satisfied with that progression no matter how small and that happens um, particularly for me I have to remind myself of that when I'm going through injuries or whether it's more niggle that's kind of set me back from my training yeah so it's mainly when I'm like injured or when I'm having poor competitions that I have to remind myself you know what remember where you were remember how far you have come yeah. and see how far you have to go yet you're not the best is still yet to come and that will yeah. happen through the small game through the yep. incremental steps day in day out definitely I th that's so yeah. good yeah I think it's like something as well I know I do a lot is I get so caught up sort of like in the present moment that I forgot forget to sort of sit down and reflect on how far you've actually come because I think it's yeah. so important to give yourself credit with that in terms of like seeing where you started and seeing where you are now because you're so fixated on where you want to go that you do forget yeah. sort of the time and the effort that it's taken to get to where you are I love that when you said that it made me think of um when I reflected back on my outdoor season, I really was beating myself up a bit because I thought, well, I've not done as well as I would have expected, even despite the circumstances. Yeah. Then when I was able to look back objectively and look at the time that I missed away from the track, the time that I missed away from the sand pit, the time that I missed away from um, a weight room properly, doing weight room lifting and things like that, I realized, actually, I was away from the track for 10 weeks. And I was away from the sand pit 14 weeks. And even when I did get back into the sand pit, I wasn't doing it as consistently as I could because of a lack of access. So sometimes it does take that looking back objectively, looking at the facts yeah. and statistics. Because when we look with our emotional eyes, we kind of judge ourselves probably a lot more harshly than we should. Um, and I think that was a game changer for me. I actually started to give myself some grace when I realized that. That's powerful. And I think I like what you said too of like, you know, that thought of like your best days are ahead of you. Because um, I think that that's something in my life too, of just remembering like we're moving forward, that that's where I can still focus on, that there's still goodness 
in the future as well, even if today isn't like exactly what I want or yesterday didn't go the way that I want it. Um, still something yeah. to look forward to. I think you also mentioned setbacks too. And so especially as an athlete, like you've talked about injuries and stuff, is that has what you mentioned about progress and everything, has that helped you to like come to terms with any injuries or like anything like that? Yeah, I love that. Especially that idea of something being out of your control. Um, I think uh, the first thing for me is to literally accept where I'm at because I think that sometimes we want to put our head in the sand or we want to um, give an excuse to the, the pain that we're feeling or the adversity that we're facing and say, you know what, it's not as bad as we think it is. Sometimes it literally yeah. does take for me to just be like, this is the reality, this is where yeah. I'm at. And then yeah. once I do that, I'm not resigning to it. I'm not really acquiescing. I'm literally just being um, stating facts so that I can then move forward. Yeah. Because in the past, there's been times when I've just kind of wanted to put my head in the sand or not really um, maybe speak to a physio or speak to a doctor about the severity of what I'm facing. And then it just makes it worse. Yeah. Kind of just digging this hole deeper and yeah. deeper and deeper until then eventually you're just like, oh no, I really should have asked for help sooner or I really should have, yeah, asked for help not just physically but also mentally and emotionally. And we think as athletes, it's all just going to be physical, physical, physical. But for me, it's also about having conversations with um, the, the therapist or working with the sports psychologist to say, I'm struggling at this time. Um, you know, can we, can we talk this through? And often even just one conversation can be enough to, to bring clarity, to bring hope and to bring perspective. And I think those things are all game changers. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think I'm so guilty. Like, as you said, you're, you, do, you do bury your head in the sand and it's not until you're like forced to face reality that it all comes clear to you. And I just think like if we all did that, it's so easy to say and so much harder to do. But if we all just sort of like <laughs> looked at the situation for what it was, whilst it's going on in the long run, like you said, it will be so much easier and you're able to overcome those hurdles a lot more, qu yeah. more quickly and smoothly as well because you're getting the support from the beginning and you're not having to... Because you almost have to relive it as well when you wait to that mm -hmm. point where it, you have to face it because you then have to go back and go, okay, when did this start? To what has led me to be where I am now in this position mentally, emotionally, physically. Going on that too, just um, how have you learned to like trust your body again as well? I was just thinking on like injuries as well as any setback really. Um, just learning to like trust it again that it is going to do exactly what it's meant to do and even in business and all of that too. That is a really great question because I think particularly young athletes or athletes who maybe haven't been injured so many times, um, they don't even realize that that fear is in the back of their mind. Mm -hmm. And you can see when people are holding back because of the fear of repeating an injury or something like that. For me, like just go back to the objective data, go back to the facts. I will literally be able to go to my coach and say, you know what, I faced this injury based on this data in terms of my strength capacity, in terms of my speed, in terms of the way that I'm moving and things like that. You know, how realistic is it I'm going to re-injure this place? And if they're saying, you know what, we need another couple of weeks before I can be confident, then I listen to that and then I adjust accordingly. If they're saying, Abigail, you are okay. We've done the scans. <laughs> Your movement is okay. Your strength diagnostics are cool. So why are you holding back? Yeah. That's when I really need to be like, objectively it's fine let's go for this i think yeah. another thing it's not just the objective data it's also my faith in god and just like yeah. having that conversation with him 
and literally being like, okay, this is what the data says. I've worked hard. I know that I've done everything that I can with my rehab. Please, God, <laughs> keep yeah. me healthy, keep me safe. Um, and just having that conversation with God is really important for me because then I'm like, you know what? I've done my bit um, yeah. and the team has done their bit. I've worked with the physios. The doctor's saying it's okay. I just have to go again. And the third and final thing is actually flipping it on its head. If you compete with afraid, if you train afraid, then actually you're more likely to hurt yourself. So don't back off. Yeah. Um, don't hold back because actually it's when you're adjusting and um, you know going half-heartedly, that's when you actually come into more trouble than if you just let go and, and just go for it. That That's is really so good. I needed yeah. that personally, so thank you. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can so, I can sometimes get very afraid of things, and um, I've never thought about it like that. If I approach it afraid, then yeah, I'm always going to be putting yourself back a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> making it harder. I, I still love the idea of like feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah, or absolutely. Um, yeah. Why Why are we so afraid of taking risks? Because you know social media, because of what someone's going to say on social media, or yeah. what your friend is going to say or someone's going to laugh at you are they really people that you want to have in your life you want to have those right. people who are going to encourage you and you know what sometimes yeah we're afraid because we might get hurt but actually we've been through so much now I'm 30 and I'm, I'm still alive I'm here yeah. and I faced so many obstacles I have been hurt I have been hurt physically um emotionally but I'm still here I'm yeah. still standing um and so I think sometimes I have to remind myself of that like you've been through so much pain and you're yeah. still here and you're still smiling. So yeah. why yeah. not keep going? Because there's more to come. Yeah. I love that. You do try to ignore the fear side of everything, but that you still have had setbacks and that is the reality of it for everyone. You know, it doesn't mean that life is going to be easy and everything you go for, you know, you're going to succeed in because it's not the reality. But um, it's important still that you go for it anyway, even if you do fail. Yeah, I think that kind of goes into what we were what we talk about a lot too, Ellie, with self-belief. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I think especially like, like you said, you train a lot alone and, you know, at the end of the day, the performance comes down to you. So you do have to have a lot of self-belief and sort of the mindset that nothing is impossible to be able to go out there and do your best. Um, but what has it been like, I guess, like as a woman who's sort of, you're at the height of your career, what has it been like getting to that place and that mindset and belief? And has it been something which you struggled with? Do you still struggle with it? Or has it been something that's sort of come naturally to you? So my self-belief, my goodness, I had so much of it up until about 2012 when I was 22. <laughs> and it was the home Olympic Games. And for the first time in my life, I didn't achieve something that I had worked really hard for. Um, everything up until that point had kind of come quite easily for me, I feel. I had got into the university of my choice. I'd studied the degree of my choice. And, um, you know, and, and, and life was easy. You know, sometimes some people have really quite easy childhoods. And, and mine was one of those. Um, it wasn't until 22 years old at the home Olympic Games where I jumped to an Olympic standard. And and then I didn't go. I didn't get selected for the for the team for uh, the Olympic Games, and that was a massive blow to my confidence and self belief because suddenly I was at this point where I'd worked hard for something. I thought I'd achieved the standard. I thought I'd done everything that I had to do, and then I failed at the last hurdle, and I wasn't selected. And that was like psychologically something that has you know it's still something that um, that I have to battle with today. I don't 
think that I have that same level of confidence that I did at 22 years old. I just have to, I know that it's something that I have to push myself, um, yeah, push through. So every day or, you know, each week it is a battle for me to support myself to say, do you know what? You can jump. Do you know what? You are a good leader. Do you know what? You can, um, you can do what you set your mind to do. Um, I don't know. I think it is a continual battle for me. I think it's a continual <laughs> battle for anyone who has to go through life and has to face adversity. I don't think I, <laughs> I'm alone in this. Sometimes I'll get out of the pit and I'm a world-class long jumper. I finished. Uh, again, it's objective data. I'm a world-class long jumper every now. <laughs> We've literally finished the top 10 in the world last year at the mm-hmm. World Championship. You remember, you're amongst the top in the country. So you can't say to yourself, I can't jump. It's not, it's not okay. And I, I have to remind myself of that. I fully related to that of like, I do because I feel like, um, the confidence is something that I can struggle with at times. And it is literally just every day of like, okay, no, you, this is what you've done before. This is what you've done in the past. And like, this is what you're building off of. So like, this is what we're going to do. And I think calling it a, like the fact that it is a constant battle is like, that's real. Like there is no quick fix and no easy way about it. It's literally just every day, day in, day out choosing. It's like the choice of like choosing to believe um, what you know to be true about yourself and what you know is true versus like what's coming to you that like is just trying to keep you stuck. I think the days as well when it's hard to like choose that is how important like it really highlights how important your community is around you and like how much you need friends how much you need your family to back you and maybe you know like maybe actually some people have difficult relationships with their family and it's someone else that backs them but I think that's such a massive like game changer as well as the days when you can't pick yourself up and you need somebody else to that's so important that you have those people and that you choose them wisely as well yeah no I'm a massive proponent for like how understanding who your core team is i love the idea that you are um the average of the five people you spend the most time with and so i've just been really intentional about who is part of my team um you know what my my strength and conditioning coach is just so much fun and so lively and so encouraging he is he's like so empathetic he's like aware of when i come into the waiting room and maybe i'm not able to give 100 percent um, when I enter, but by the time that I leave, I'm given a hundred percent because of the way that he's speaking to me, the way that wow. he leads the program and the way that he infuses me with life when I'm feeling a little bit disheartened or discouraged. And I think that speaks so much, that speaks so highly to who he is as a person and to the atmosphere that he seeks to create yeah. with every single athlete that he works with. That's amazing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so beautiful. Such a good example of it. Um, and I guess it's all going back to sort of perhaps failing at something and picking yourself up. That requires a lot of mental discipline. And I was, um, I read something the other day which said like motivation is what starts you, but discipline is what keeps you going. What does that mental discipline mean to you? And how do you, how important has it been in your journey as well? Yeah, I love that idea of, um, yeah, that motivation being the starting point, but discipline. Um, seeing the thing that keeps you going. For me, the idea is consistency before the breakthrough. Um, it's true. Sometimes we get frustrated because we're just doing the same thing day in and day out. Um, and, and it's actually at that point where you're doing the same thing day in and day out. And if it's the right thing, you just need to keep going. You just need to be yeah. uh, persistent. You need to persevere. So the breakthrough will come. And for me, I found that in 20, 
uh, a, a few years ago now, I had a season where I was just consistently hitting 650, 650, 650. And I was like, and it was so consistent that there were articles written about it and people tweeted, oh, you know, this is her seventh time jumping over, you know, 650. I was like, I'm sick of that number. I knew the biggest performance, <laughs> but I didn't kept doing it. I kept working. Yeah. And I kept going through these competitions and then the breakthrough happened. And I think that we need to be um, aware of celebrating that consistency. Mm -hmm. We need to be aware like, of giving ourselves a pat on the back. At the end yeah. of the day, what we've put in, the hours that we said we're going to put in, we've given the effort that we said we're going to give. And even if it's been 100 days, 365 days, 750 days, and we've, and we've not seen the breakthrough yet, we need to be um, consistent because ultimately um, it's about knowing that you're working towards a goal. And for me, obviously, mine's the Olympic Games. It's jumping seven meters. It's, it's being a world-class athlete. It's, it's um, getting on the top of podiums. And so I see that in my line of sight, and I see that every day. And when I want to maybe get up and not do a training session, that's when I have to really look ahead and think, do you know what? Is this what an Olympian would do? Is this what uh, a medalist, a champion would do? No, it isn't. So then it kind of resets me, and that gives me the discipline to, to keep going. Amazing. Wow. I love I love like the idea of celebrating the consistency mm -hmm. rather than the breakthrough. I think that's really interesting. I've never really heard it put like that because as you said, like that breakthrough wouldn't have happened without being consistent, without getting up every morning and on the days when you really didn't want to because it's dark and cold outside or like you've just had enough of doing the same thing. I think that's like a a really like important thing to remember is that it is because of those days when you really didn't want to but you got up anyway that is why you are like celebrating that success in that moment despite having like all those moments of being disciplined equally how do you manage to switch off because I know for me like if I go through phases of being super disciplined in my work it usually feeds into like my rest as well I find it hard to switch off completely because I think I should be doing work how do you actually manage to still find the rest and how do you manage to like switch between those two mindsets of being an athlete and actually just being Abigail and spending time with your friends for me it's kind of just being intentional about turning my phone on silent or um, taking that sim card out at a certain time <laughs> Give or, <it> um, <laughs> yeah putting putting like a snooze setting on my emails um so that they don't come through after a certain time. Um, making sure that my mornings are quite sacred. So at the moment, I I wake up quite early for me, not early for like general people. And I haven't said <laughs> the wake up at like 6 or 5 a.m. I'm like, that's not me. I wait, not I'm waking up at like 6.37 at the moment, which is super early for me. So that I can really slowly wake up, read um, a couple of chapters of the book, drink some coffee, play, mm -hmm read my bible and I think for me knowing that I have that in the morning actually um is my that is my quiet time that's my time where I'm like feeling refreshed um and and it doesn't and then if I have a hectic day I'm not too fussed about that because I've already started off my day with tranquility yeah yeah, yeah. those no, people that's so true yeah, those people that get up at 5.30 every day, you know, there's like that 5.30 working week, I'm just like, not there yet. <laughs> I you like know what's day. sad? I still set my alarm for like 5.30, 6 o'clock, because I'm like, maybe today will be the day I do it. Maybe this will be the day. Never do I. So when the seventh alarm goes off, you're like, yeah, it's going to be yeah, it's like, yeah. We'll, we'll try 7 o'clock, we'll try. Yeah. <laughs> 8.30, 8.30. Yeah. <laughs> 
No, it's so true. Um, as well, I guess, like, just speaking about all of those high-state moments where there's so much rides on them, um, personally and mentally as well, how do you still find joy? Uh, finding joy? Uh, huh, this is a really difficult question because it's a question that, you know, being very honest, I am personally challenged by and it's something that I'm continually journaling about and praying about and praising about because I don't really feel like I've 100% found my full joy at this season in my life. I feel like I'm, I'm currently in, in a little bit of a dip, which is crazy because on the outside, there are so many blessings in my life and that's why I'm so challenged by it. Um, I'm doing a, a job that I love. I get to jump into a sandpit for a living. That's so much fun. <laughs> I have opportunities like this. And so I guess to find joy, for me, it's like counting my blessings. And, um, and enjoy, yeah, counting my blessings and appreciating those, those moments of quiet and calm for me. So like in the morning, I actually find joy in that really good cup of coffee. I like just smell it before I take a sip. I'm like, this is wonderful. This is joyful. Uh, having, um, making sure that because I can be super reclusive when I want to be because I love my own space, as I'm sure you can tell. Um, so it's like when people, sorry, when people say, I drop me a message and say they want to speak or um, my cousin decided that she wanted to, to go for a walk um, the other day. I was just all for it. I was up for it. And even though I want to say no, I literally choose yes. And I actually find joy from the experience of coming together with people. Even though yeah. in the moment I don't want to because I'm so happy in my own company, I know that I I have to I have to force myself into these situations because I know that I'm going to have fun in the moment. I, I don't know whether that even makes sense, but yeah, it's like, it, is a, it is a challenge for me to do because <laughs> uh, I know that my cousin, for example, she brings so much laughter and so much joy. So I'm like, I, I have to laugh when I'm around her. Um, so yeah, I think those are, are ways that I, I cultivate joy. Yeah, about. that's amazing. Yeah. No, that's incredible. I feel like we totally relate to that because we always talk about like we love reading we love to like be by ourselves we're like good in our little in our bubble and I'm the same way I do have to kind of um tell myself like hey right now you might not want to go but like once you get there you have so much fun especially with the people you love you have so so much fun yeah, um, but it is like kind of getting yourself out of the <laughs> out of exactly. the world yeah yeah <laughs> It is funny, but I guess that um, sort of links on to like our next section of that. You you, find, you said you find joy in like being with pe- the people that you love and being with your friends and family. Um, but yeah, Brittany, I guess like, did you want to speak about sort of being being an athlete? It can be quite a lonely journey, I suppose. Yeah, we were going to ask about you're you're self trained, right? And at times, I think even being an entrepreneur, um, those can be like a bit lonely at times. You know, if you you're the sole one um and just how do you find focus within that so I think for me the first thing is having a really good structure so that I know that on a Monday I know what I'm doing I know what the session's going to be throughout the week and I have a picture of that mm-hmm. so that when I do go to the track and I am on my own I I basically can break that down into sections and say okay you've got this warm-up it's going to take you an hour this is what we're going to go through um, when I am training alone, it's about I'll feel connected maybe through whatever I'm listening to, whether it's some good music. A lot of time I listen to worship music, 
you speaking about structure really that links yeah. into sort of like mental discipline it really helps you know on the days where you feel a little less motivated actually having a routine and getting up and knowing that familiarity I think of how your yeah. day's going to go does help even in times when you've like when we're in need of encouragement have you been able to lean on those around you so I would probably say one of the most challenging times for me in my athletic career um was in 2016 where I ruptured my Achilles tendon and retired from the sport. I had to return to England to home to Manchester when I'd, I'd been living previously for the past couple of years in Phoenix and Arizona with my coaching team out there. And that was, that was kind of like, I don't know, I just feel like there was such power in that time because I was so alone and I was so confused and I felt so afraid um, and, and so broken, like physically, mentally, emotionally, even spiritually. I was just like, God, why is this happening? This is happening to me. You know, it's an Olympic year. I'm retired now from what I thought that I would be doing for a good four or five years um, down the line. And everything that I, I knew and everything that I'd known was just kind of like blown up. Mm-hmm. And yet I found such comfort, like you mentioned before, in the people around me I went to church and I just I was able to just when I couldn't speak or even like pray out to God I was just able to kind of soak in the atmosphere of the worship um, and and have people around me just you know praying for me and supporting me and I think that was a really um, powerful time in my life because it, it really showed me the power of community in a way that I didn't really know before and the power of God bringing that community around me um, to support me and to lift me up out of that really, really sad and difficult time in my life. I can say that I have felt hopeless at times, and yet it's like I've prayed God, I'm hopeless, I don't know what to do. And, and the next day, or even that next hour, someone has reached out, and, and that has been, you know, game changing for me. And I just pray that I can be someone, I can be that person for, for other people, and that. And it's always my prayer that those people who lack community or, you know, who feel isolated and alone, that they, that someone will reach out to them um, and that they'll have that comfort that I've had. That's so beautiful. And it's almost like sometimes we don't even realize, like, even on the other side of it, like how, you know, how special, like, even just a quick text to somebody (laughs) could um, change the course of their day in some ways, you know, to just know that, like, oh, at this exact moment, like, I was on somebody's mind in a way. yeah, it's really special. How does faith impact like your everyday? I think you've kind of touched on it a little bit, but I would love to hear yeah, a bit more. Yeah, I, I think faith impacts my everyday in that it, it literally gives me hope for each day and it gives me, um, it sets me up because I think particularly going through hard times, I do not know if I would have been able to, you know, be at this point today if not for my faith in God, if not for believing that the best is yet to come. I think, you know, my faith impacts me because it, it helps me to, to give my best each day. And I think it also impacts on the values that I have so ex- for excellence because I believe that God calls us to, to give our best. It kind of, yeah, it, it puts me in a state of humility when I'm able to come to people and apologize. I don't think I'd be able to have that um, mentality if not for Jesus yeah. and my faith. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, I think overall, thank you for this conversation. 
Seriously, you've given us so much. Um, so many good takeaways, so many good things to think about. I really enjoyed um, our conversation with Abigail. Um, I think she brought up loads of really great points. I really especially yes. love her point of celebrating consistency rather than celebrating the success that comes from the consistency. I think that's like an idea I've never really heard before and never thought about in my own life. Yeah, absolutely. I think that one's so helpful too, especially for thinking about a work context because you do kind of go into work day in and day out and it doesn't sometimes you don't always have those bright like aha moments every single day um but they come from like the everyday random administrative stuff that you have to do and i feel like that kind of gives you um just a bit more to like look forward to and a bit more perspective and i also enjoyed how she talked about um when it comes to like trusting your body a bit more like being able to look at like objective data as she calls it of like what are like the facts of like what my body has been able to do um and from there that's how i'm going to approach kind of getting back into it in a lot of ways and so even how we talk to ourselves like our inner dialogue as well of like you know i might not feel like i am the best at this that or the third today um but objectively in the past like this is what i've worked on you know like yeah it's, i have done like long jumps and stuff before and i have um made really good times before so i can continue to do that in the future i'm um, using that as the launch pad more than like the fear of it even okay. as you kind of work through the fear um I just thought it was like a really cool way of looking at it yeah it was like what she said about sort of just taking off your emotional what are they called the things that the horse like the blinders wear. yeah the oh, blinders yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah um taking off those and just li- yeah like you said looking at the facts looking at the statistics and that goes for anything whether you're an athlete right. whether you're doing business whether right. you're a student you know you've seen in the past you can do it before so you can do it again even though at the moment you might be feeling those fears or feeling that doubt and you know like you can't do it and you're waking up with those sort of anxieties around your ability but actually just trying to focus on it from a less emotional point of view and that's not to say that we should be unemotional about these things but lead with the stats and the figures in our bold decisions going forward right absolutely Um, you just summed that up perfectly what I loved was how honest she was about not necessarily feeling like she's found her joy in her life at the moment right. and how she sort of explored that in her past she's been able to have that joy but maybe in this season in this period of her life joy looks different and she's yet to find that as well we do preach that you know mantra of get up get on you know have a good yeah. mindset have a positive mindset find the joys in the little things even when you're going through some horrible times but actually sometimes those joys are really hard to find and accepting that exactly. you can't yeah. find them is as important as actually having them absolutely i fully agree with that because it, it is the i don't know the, the giving yourself the permission to like go ahead and feel the feels um the fact that, that that's honest, you know, <laughs> like yeah. you said, it isn't, you don't always wake up with like the most joy sometimes, even if it seems like everything is like relatively okay. Sometimes you still are a bit challenged to to be like, oh, I'm not experiencing the way that I once was. Um, and I think that that's perfectly fine. That's perfectly okay. And I yeah. think that that's what actually opens us up to be able to like, you know, relate with people a bit more. So I enjoyed that. 
Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. If you know anyone who might love this episode too, go ahead and share it with them. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. We love to hear your thoughts and it really helps us out. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe to our email list, which you can find on the Magnify website, where you'll get connected and informed with even more inspiring content. And also our inbox is always open. So if you have a topic you want us to chat about, or if you have something that you just want to add to our conversations, you can email us at elliatmagnifycollective.com. 